G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, as we do on a Tuesday, one of our regular guests, Greg Bondar, is back with us today. He's National Director of Christian Voice Australia, a national think tank and advocacy group for families, liberty and faith. Greg, a special welcome back to 2020. Oh, good morning, Neil. Hope you're well. Thank you, Greg. I am. Hey, let's talk about new religious vilification protections that could be a step forward uh, for protecting people of faith in the state of New South Wales. What's happening? Yeah, this is really good news, Neil. Um, back on the 3rd of August, uh, the actual New South Wales Anti-Discrimination Act was amended, which then put in provisions to protect religious freedoms in New South Wales. In, in, in particular, it is now an offence to incite hatred towards uh, or serious contempt for uh, uh, severe ridicule of any particular person or religious organisation. Um, so that's really good news. But there is a catch there, Neil, that uh, I think we ought to be aware of. But at the moment, it's good news. It's a step forward. It means that I can't be criticised for expressing my views from a religious point of view. So that's really good news. Uh, on the flip side of that, and as you say, there might be all sorts of different ways these things can be interpreted. <laughs> there might even be uh, something in there that might stop a Christian from having a constructive or even robust conversation about uh, other faith movements. Is that one of those sort of nuances yeah. you might look for in, in those sorts of protections? Interesting, isn't it? We talk about uh, protection yeah. for religious freedom. Uh, that also can <laughs> shut down conversation and debate in all sorts of areas, can't it? Absolutely. No, it's a two-edged sword, as you would appreciate. But one of the things I need to highlight, and this can go globally, not just New South Wales, is that whilst a person's religion and or belief is, is protected, the Act also protects those with no belief. So this is interesting because if I don't have a belief or I'm not a person of faith and all of a sudden I'm preaching nearly in a church and I say, you know, if you're not a Christian, you will go to hell. That could open up the doors for somebody to complain that they're being vilified because they don't have a belief, you know. So we've got to try and make sure that uh, uh, these sort of acts are scrutinised and make sure that, uh, you know, there is a danger in everything that government does, I believe. But it's, it's a step forward, Neil, but there are dangers, as you pointed out as well. As you know, Greg, there's been attempts over the years to protect religious freedom and when these sorts of things are under discussion, uh, all of these little... Uh, mm. side uh, side distractions come in there and uh, there is an, 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 there's a thought also in the mix that uh, no protection for religious freedom may be the best protection for religious freedom so uh, I mean that's just one mm. that's just one different uh, one of those different uh, yeah. dimensions here uh, but this is what they're discussing in New South Wales yeah absolutely and, and, and so what's happening is that uh, not unexpectedly the New South Wales Council for 
civil liberties, the Australian laws for human rights, and even and all the LGBTIQA plus groups all oppose th- this legislation. And I can understand why. But you see, essentially, as a Christian or as a person of faith, I'm now protected against vilification. But likewise, those without belief are also protected. So now it's a double-edged sword and we have to be careful, but it's a great move forward in many respects now. Uh, so is this just being debated at the moment, Greg, in New South no. Wales, or is it already, has there been a vote on this already? No, all done, passed on the 3rd of August now. Okay, mm. all right, okay. Yep. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting one, isn't it? So uh, 3rd of August, uh, that legislation mm. has been passed. I imagine it has a little bit of time before it comes into effect, yeah. but uh, people Correct. will be looking at all of the... Uh, the fine print in all of that. Hey, another issue, a New South Wales stakeholder roundtable consultation on LGBTQI plus conversion practices. This is what has been being discussed, discussed in New South Wales. Uh, thoughts that it might be similar to what might be happening already in Victoria. What is the latest from that particular uh, dimension? Yeah, look, Merle, it is a New South Wales issue, but not in many ways... Uh, Queensland already has a conversion therapy ban. Victorian government has a conversion therapy ban and the ACT government, uh, all left-wing, may I say, all woke in my opinion. But the issue is that now that Chris Mintz has become Premier in New South Wales, he undertook pre before the election to introduce legislation to this effect. Now, what we've got is <clears throat> the, the Department of Health and the Department of Justice held a roundtable meeting Christian Voice Australia was there, but I was there with a lot of other Muslim organisations who, in point of fact, Neil, were were objecting strongly to this particular ban being put in place. And that that's really interesting, Neil, because uh, I'm, I'm people of faith are saying, no, we don't want this, you know. And and in that regard, I'm, I'm somewhat encouraged because we've got to put in submissions by this Friday as to why. Uh, we think that this conversion practice, uh, conversion practice, you know, a therapy ban ought to be put in. Well, we're opposed to it and we will be arguing along those lines. <laughs> uh, were there other Christian organisations sitting alongside you at the table when you say there was uh, a bunch of other yeah. Muslim organisations and, uh, you know, they don't tend to get the headlines when it comes to criticisms of this sort of, uh, you know, movement towards these laws, uh, but they certainly have a religious interest because certainly uh, homosexuality and uh, mm-hmm. all of the different alphabet uh, versions are certainly outlawed under, under Islam. But were there other Christian organisations sitting alongside you? Look, Neil, there were a number of different groups on different days. The group that I was in, I uh, happen to have a lot of the uh, Muslim community. And, and I have to tell you, Neil, I was very encouraged because th- there, there were representatives of particular organisations that were saying, we want to raise our kids according to our faith, whether it's, whether it's you know, Christian, Muslim, uh, Pres- uh, Presbyterian, Catholic or whatever. And it was argued very strongly. And in particular, they were saying that these are our children the family has a right to be able to to bring up their children according to their faith, and and I and I spoke up and I said not only that, but we have to make sure that we're not penalised. As in Queensland, I think it's what three years jail or eighteen thousand dollar fine or whatever it is. We don't want those criminal things to be coming into place in New South Wales. 
So uh, there were a number of issues that were being raised in the roundtable discussion. Mm -hmm. I imagine there were uh, government uh, representatives or public servants around the table taking notes on what everyone was saying. Uh, The sorts of issues that were raised around the table, Greg, what what was being talked about? I'm glad you mentioned government representatives. Neil, I think we're outnumbered two to one by the number of government representatives in relation to the number of people that are opposing it. Look, three issues came up because they, the definition of conversion therapy. Now, Neil, we don't have conversion therapy these days. You know, I think they're referring to 100 years ago where you might have had electric shock treatment or whatever. We don't do those anymore and we'd be opposed to it anyway, Neil. So, you know, the definition of conversion therapy needs to be outlined clearly. I mean, is, is it, a, is it a, a conversion therapy when I say to my granddaughter, look, I don't, you know, I don't, think, I don't believe you should change your sex for, for various reasons apart from the biblical worldview. Uh, so that needs to be clarified by the, by, by the government. The second thing is criminal law. Now, why are we making this a criminal law offence if I tell my granddaughter or my, or, or, you know, or my grandson that, you know, it's wrong for you to convert to uh, a male or a female, depending on what sex you are. And lastly, health professionals. Now, why is it that doctors will be penalised if they refuse to do, you know, transgender-type operations? So, Neil, there are a number of issues that need to be highlighted, and they are three in particular that we will be arguing strongly, um, you know, uh, for in our submission. And of course, the challenging thing, while you talk about uh, professionals uh, like health professionals, and you know what, somebody's just got to speak up for health professionals as well, because somehow or other they are uh, the meat in the sandwich in this yeah. as well. But of course, the biggest one uh, we often identify when we discuss this is the loss of parental rights. Uh, was yeah. there were there things around the table that were raised around uh, par- parents' rights when it comes to their own children? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Neil, because in point of fact, that was one of the, you know, uh, issues that really, you know, resonated during the day. Uh, loss of parental rights. I mean, the, 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 the representatives there, the Muslim community, ourselves, Christian Voice Australia, we're all saying, hey, listen, we don't want to lose our parental rights. Now, already in the USA at the moment, there are court actions by parents against schools that are, that, that are you know, withholding the gender identification of their own children. So loss of parental rights is a big issue. And the other one is really the impact on faith communities and families. In other words, if I'm a Christian, I've got a Christian family, you know, am I going to lose that impact on my child because it'll be illegal for me to say to them that it's wrong to convert from a male to a female? Real issues now that we've got to address, and this is already happening, as I said, in Queensland, Victoria, and ACT, and we've got to stop it here in New South Wales. And interesting, isn't it, uh, that we always come back to some really quite simple but profound um, definitions of what Christians believe about all of these sorts of things, mm. Greg. And uh, we say because we're created in the image and likeness of God, male and female, and uh, that's the way that a Christian says is a godly form of marriage and uh, for the health of a family and for an entire society, that's uh, the thing we stand for. But there are certain days that come up in the year, and I know you've been thinking through uh, some issues around uh, a, a wear it purple day and uh, the thought that, you know, you can you can hear of, of people who are in corporations and in government virtue signalling uh, by doing all of these sorts of political 
politically correct things, but this comes right into every workplace, every school of virtue signalling when they say uh, it's wear it purple day. And if you're not wearing purple, somehow or other you're not celebrating um, the, uh, you know, the homosexual lifestyle. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the wear it purple day that's coming up? Well, no, I'm absolutely staggered. On August the 25th, you get, they're going to have what's called the Wear It Purple Day. Well, I've never heard of this before, really, but it started back in 2010. But you see, the point here is, Neil, that the, the, the woke left-wing LGBTQI community, all of them lumped together, they are very good at promoting their cause. So then they've got to Wear It Purple Day. And basically, they're going to be infiltrating the university, schools, youth organisations, workplaces, uh, they're going to go to clubs and what have you. Now, Neil, all they're doing is raising these gender identity issues, which is really confusing for the young youth of, of these days. So, you know, my view, Neil, is, ah, why don't we have a wear a cross day to promote Christianity? That's what we should be doing, Neil, because, you know, and, and, I, and you know what, Neil, I can guarantee you, like the boy in the USA who got uh, expelled from school for wearing a T-shirt that, that had a, 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 a message about, I'm, I'm a male, not a transgender person. You know, we've got to make sure, Neil, that uh, we're not going to let this wear a purple day be, be hijacking our beliefs and faith, just like the, you know, the rainbow flag's been hijacked. Neil, I'm going to organise for next year a wear a cross day. <laughs> Maybe you should organise it, Greg, uh, to coincide with Wear It Purple Day so that uh, you can say, well, I'm wearing a cross. Uh, that is its own, uh, the most powerful symbol of history in the Amen. history of the whole world. And, uh, you know, but it's interesting. Uh, some people might feel like, well, I wouldn't wear a cross on a Wear It Purple Day because I don't want to offend anybody. But <laughs> there's a certain <laughs> sense in which the cross itself uh, can be the most beautiful symbol, but uh, certainly Absolutely. for some it becomes yeah. quite an offensive symbol as well. Uh, but uh, yes, a wear it cross day. I think uh, a, a good seed sown there. Uh, look forward to some more thoughts from you on that, Greg, over the time. <laughs> hey, you know, when you talk about a wear it purple day, uh, let's bring some balance here because yeah. something that's coming up in September is marriage week. And this is uh, very much a, a Christian foundation type of organised event too. What, what's happening mm. for it? Yeah, look, Neil, I'll be talking more about this later on, right about September, but from 10th to 16th of September, it is Marriage Week, and here, the whole concept here is to honour and celebrate marriage from a biblical perspective. You know, I'm so encouraged by that, and you know, and I'm supporting it, I'm, in, I'm involved with it. Uh, you and I both know, Mark 10, 8, 9, you know, when a man or a woman marry, whether they believe it or not, they are joined together by God, Neil, and you know, let let sing it from the top of the hill. Let's let everybody know that it's marriage week according to a biblical perspective. And Neil, I'm so encouraged by that, you know, and you know, and, and, and I think we should make more of it. And I encourage all your listeners to make sure that they let everybody know that they are married under God. And interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes we think of marriage and we're 
in our mind, our imagination goes to a wedding. But of course, a marriage is much deeper than a wedding. And when you've got marriage week, uh, oftentimes, as will be the case here on Vision, there'll be a lot of conversations that will happen during marriage week that talk about some of the the deeper and uh, inspirational aspects of what it is, um, male, female, and of course, uh, lifelong commitment. Uh, you know, he's... Uh, committed to her, she's committed to him, and they together are committed to their children, and you have family that flourishes and then communities that flourish. So there's something there's something deeper in a marriage week, isn't there, that, you know, to anticipate? Oh, look, totally correct. If a community is going to flourish, it has to be based on the biblical family, male, female, children, and, and that's what we've got to promote. And unfortunately, Neil, I travel to a lot of churches, I get invited to speak. The issue we have is that some churches have a very uh, unhealthy interpretation of this. And I think, you know, we've got to make sure, and, you know, people with same-sex marriage and what have you, look, let's stick to our biblical perspective. Let's stick to our faith. It is between a male and female. And I said Mark 10, 8, 9, you know, what God joins together, let no one break up. And always so good to be reminded uh, from time to time there is a biblical view of marriage and family and uh, it isn't changing anytime soon. And so, uh, you know, if you if you are in amongst a group that is changing that definition, something's gone a little astray. So uh, check the biblical Absolutely. definition of what it is about marriage. Hey, uh, Greg, thank you so much. Always good to get an update. Let me point listeners to ChristianVoiceAustralia.blog christianvoiceaustralia.blog some of the latest issues and articles there that you'll be able to read from Greg Bondar Greg's the National Director of Christian Voice Australia christianvoiceaustralia.blog Greg, thanks so much for another great update today on 2020 Yeah, thank you Neil and God bless you Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media To find out more about us go to vision.org.au 